This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of the Stapa approach to the acetabulum from the Approaches section on orthobullets.com. So as a quick introduction, indications for the Stapa approach to the acetabulum include acetabular fractures and pelvic ring injuries. The approach provides access to the pubic body, superior pubic ramus, pubic root, the ilium above and below the pectineal line, the quadrilateral plate, the medial aspect of the posterior column, the sciatic buttress, the anterior sacroiliac joint, and the upper ilium as well as the iliac crest. So in terms of preparation and positioning, preparation involves a radiolucent table that is required and a Foley catheter is required to improve visualization. As far as positioning, this approach is done supine, the ipsilateral limb is draped free into the field, the hip and knee are flexed to relax the iliopsoas femoral neurovascular bundle, and the operating surgeon is on the opposite side of the table. Now, let's talk about the approach. As far as the incision, a transverse incision is made approximately 2 centimeters above the symphysis. This is carried short of each external inguinal ring. For the lateral window, an incision is made along the iliac crest starting approximately 2 centimeters posterior to the ASIS following the iliac crest posteriorly. As far as the superficial dissection, the subcutaneous tissue and rectus fascia are incised transversely. The pyramidalis muscle is released and tagged for later repair. Next, the rectus abdominis fascia is split along the linea alba. Then the transversalis fascia is opened superior to the pubic symphysis. This opens the potential space of retsius, which is the space behind the symphysis and anterior to the bladder. For the lateral window, the insertion of the external oblique is released, permitting dissection into the internal iliac crest fossa. This requires elevation of the iliacus muscle. Moving on to the deep dissection, the origin of the rectus abdominis muscle is released off the posterior pubic rami, but maintained anteriorly. A Homan retractor is used to retract the rectus anteriorly. The iliopectineal fascia is then released to enter the true pelvis. The anastomosis between the external iliac and obturator vessels, otherwise known as the corona mortis, should be identified along the superior pubic ramus and ligated. The iliopsoas can now be subperiosteally elevated and a retractor is used to retract the iliopsoas and external iliac vessels. The entire pelvic brim should be visualized at this time. Finally, the obturator neurovascular bundle is exposed and protected as the quadrilateral surface and posterior column are dissected. Now, let's end this review session talking about some dangers and complications of the STAPA approach to the acetabulum. And the structures to be aware of include the obturator nerve and vessels, the corona mortis, the external iliac vessels, and the bladder. In terms of the obturator nerve and vessels, these are retracted carefully during exposure of the quadrilateral plate and the posterior column. With respect to the corona mortis, these anastomoses must be ligated as they appear on the lateral one-third of the superior pubic ramus. They are nearly universally present, but vary significantly in size. The external iliac vessels are exposed and retracted early in the exposure, and they must be mobilized to expose the iliac fossa and the false pelvis. Finally, as far as the bladder, a Foley catheter limits injury. In addition, placement of a malleable retractor anterior to the bladder also helps protect it. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, 
when performing an anterior intrapelvic approach to the acetabulum, ligation of the anastomoses between the obturator vessels and which of the following vessels should be performed to gain appropriate access to the true pelvis. And the choices are 1. External iliac vessels, 2. Internal iliac vessels, 3. Superior gluteal vessels, 4. Femoral vessels, and 5. Femoral cutaneous vessels. The correct answer to this question is 1. External iliac vessels. So the stapa or anterior intrapelvic approach requires ligation of the corona mortis, defined as the vascular connections between the obturator and external iliac systems, to gain visualizations laterally and into the true pelvis. The corona mortis is located behind the superior pubic ramus at a variable distance from the symphysis pubis. The name corona mortis or crown of death testifies to the importance of this feature as significant hemorrhage may occur if inadvertently cut and it is difficult to achieve subsequent hemostasis. Tornetta et al. performed a cadaveric dissection to determine the occurrence and location of the corona mortis. They found that an anastomosis between the obturator and external iliac systems occurred in 84% of the specimens. 34% had an arterial connection, 70% had a venous connection, and 20% had both. Archdeacon et al. discussed the indications, setup, and technique for the stampa approach to the pelvis. They state that the vascular anastomoses between the external iliac and obturator vessels are encountered as the artery and vein course over the superior ramus traveling toward the obturator foramen. They state that these vessels must be ligated or clipped to advance the dissection further along the pelvic brim and quadrilateral surface. And moving on to the final question, a 55-year-old male involved in a motor vehicle collision sustained an acetabular fracture. Which of the following approaches would provide the best exposure for open reduction internal fixation of the displaced fragments seen in an acetabular fracture pattern with medial displacement of the quadrilateral plate? And the choices are 1. Modified stapa approach, 2. Extended iliofemoral approach, 3. Coker-Langenbach approach, 4. Medial window of the ilioinguinal, and five, simultaneous anterior and posterior exposure. The correct answer to this question is one, modified stampa approach. So the patient in the question stem has an acetabular fracture pattern with medial displacement of the quadrilateral plate. Limited bone stock and anatomic access create a surgical challenge to treat these fractures. Both an ilioinguinal and modified stampa approach allow access to this area. However, use of the stampa approach often allows the middle window of the ilioinguinal approach to be avoided, resulting in minimal dissection of the inguinal canal, femoral nerve, and external iliac vessels. Cole et al. discussed their initial experience using the modified stampa approach for fixation of acetabular fractures. Of the 55 fractures treated, 89% of the postoperative radiographs had either an excellent or good rating. Qureshi et al. discussed their technique for infrapectineal plating that allows for stable fixation by resisting medial displacement through the quadrilateral surface. That's all for this review about the stampa approach to the acetabulum. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. 
If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullet podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.